Hey there, everyone, and welcome back to yet another of our ever-expanding podcast legend we call Random Song Encounters. This week, we're coming to you from our mobile studio in Mesa, Arizona, once again, as we join family for the holiday festivities. I'm your host, Gene Vincent, and regardless of where we are, when, how, uh, the show must go on. And we've got a remarkably decorative potpourri of tracks lined up for your ears today. Uh, We're calling this one Music Explosion. So put on your personal protective equipment, PPE, for those of you in the know. And strap yourself in. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Uh, Let's kick the show off with an indie track with a message for you cat owners. Let's go. See you on the other end.
There you have it, segment one, and we indeed had a music explosion there in the first segment. Uh, close that one out in great fashion with a tune by Simple Minds, but let's go back to the beginning of the segment and uh, where we uh, the explosion uh, began. And we start off with, as I mentioned, a song for all the cat lovers out there uh, called Plea from a Cat Named Virtute by a, a group called the Weaker Thans out of Canada. Uh, it's off of their 2003 third LP called Reconstruction Site. Uh, this is kind of a, another one of those deals. Uh, a guy forms a band uh, in 1997. His name is John Sampson. He had been involved in the Canadian punk rock scene. He uh, recruited a couple of his friends who were also in the punk scene and decided to create this band, uh, but they didn't want to do punk music any longer. They wanted to develop a more melodic and introspective music style uh, than done previously, and uh, hence <clears throat> the Weaker Thans. Uh, they picked the name based on a couple of factors. There's a 1992 film called The Lover, and there's also a song titled Solidar Solidarity Forever. Both of them uh, refer to script and or lyrics that use the phrase weaker than uh, in them. Uh, so, um, you know, John just said, hey, I like the way those sound together. Let's just put them together, call ourselves the weaker thans, and off they went. Uh, the, the album itself, is Reconstruction Site, is kind of a song cycle about grief, <clears throat> regret, loss, and hope. Uh, this particular track, as you can tell by the lyrics, uh, if you were listening closely, is uh, written from the perspective of a uh, depressed person's cat. And the cat's trying to, you know... Talk to, talk to his owner and say, hey, you know, let's uh, uh, knock this off and get up and move around a little bit, have a little fun and enjoy life. So really cool track to start the uh, segment off. Next, we heard from uh, guitarist extraordinaire Robin Trower out of the UK and his song Gonna Be More Suspicious from his 1975 third solo LP called For Earth Below. Um, Robin got his big break uh, initially uh, being part of the band or helping initially start the band Procol Harum back in the 70s. And uh, he appeared on the group's first five LPs uh, before leaving in 1971. Uh, most notably, uh, you, the song from Procol Harum, Whiskey Train, is, has a, you know, is all about Robin Trower's guitar and uh, a great, great track. Uh, if you haven't heard it, check it out. Um, after leaving in 1971, he, he kicked around and, and started his solo Robin Trower band in 1973. He's still out there making music and touring uh, uh, with his latest release in 2022. Uh, this particular song is co-written with his longtime bassist and uh, vocalist collaborator James Dewar, uh, who passed away in 2002. Uh, James is, is, has got a really uh, uh, great, great voice. He's one of the most underrated rock vocalists, I think, that's out there. Uh, instantly recognizable. Uh, when you hear the voice, you immediately uh, say, and that's a, that's a Robin Trower track. Uh, but uh, a great tune there, and uh, love Robin Trower. Next, 
we heard from the great Neil Young out of Canada, uh, his song The Loner, uh, from his 1968 debut solo LP called Neil Young. Uh, Neil started in Canada, everybody knows the story, grew up in Canada, migrated to LA, uh, joined the Buffalo Springfield Band, and then uh, uh, in between there, after leaving Buffalo Springfield, he started his solo career, but then uh, also uh, right in the middle of that also joined the band Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young uh, before going solo full-time uh, after working with them. Uh, Neil, of course, is known for his great guitar work, uh, you know, the fuzz distortion uh, he uses in a lot of his guitar work, or electric guitar work at least. Uh, interpersonal lyrics, always a big factor in his songs, and, and that really high tenor voice is, again, one of those uh, instantly uh, recognizable voices. Um, this album, as I mentioned, was recorded just after leaving Buffalo Springfield and before he joined, joined Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young as a, as a solo effort. Uh, I was looking back and counting the number of albums that he's put out over the years, and, and I came up with 45 that he's released. The latest was just uh, put out a couple of weeks ago, around the first part of December. So he's still going strong and uh, you know, still touring and, and doing his thing. So. Great Neil Young, great track there. And last but not least, in that first segment, we heard Simple Minds out of Scotland and their song Ghost Dancing from their 1985 LP, Once Upon a Time, which was their seventh effort. Uh, another one of us, I mean, all, all these bands, if they've been kicking around a while, they're the front man, lead vocals, you hear, you hear them and you know who the band is. Uh, in this case, it's Jim Kerr. Uh, he and the band formed in 1977 as a split-off uh, from their prior band, which was called Johnny <laughs> Johnny and the Self-Abusers. Great name. Uh, <laughs> they took on the new name, Simple Minds, after the David Boy song, Gene Genie. There's a, a lyric in there uh, that goes, he's so simple-minded, he can't drive his module. So uh, taken from that lyric, they uh, came up with uh, the name Simple Minds. Uh, you know, they've had, in spite of having several hit singles and albums, uh, everybody knows them, and they're best known for their song, Don't You Forget About Me, that was used in the movie The Breakfast, Breakfast Club. That's been their, their monumental hit, and uh, the, the weird story is uh, they didn't even want to record that song. It was offered to them, written for them, uh, to, make it, to put into the movie, uh, they didn't think there was anything to it and didn't want to record it and went round and round for a long while uh, but in the end Cooler has prevailed he actually got some some uh, ribbing uh, from his then wife Chrissy Hine with the Pretenders and she uh, with some others helped talk Jim into recording the tune and hey it took off and, and it's just it's music history at this point Simple Minds is still out there making music touring uh, as a matter of fact, uh, they've got a date scheduled next year in L.A. as part of the Cruel World Festival in uh, Pasadena, uh, which was just announced a week or so ago. So Simple Minds, uh, they're still out there doing it. Check them out. Great band to see live as well. Let's move right into segment two. Keep your seatbelts on as the fasten seatbelt sign is still lit. 
Uh, it's going to get rocky again. Let's get rock and rolling with a tune back from the 1970 from the Ides of March.
And there you have segment two of the show. More explosive tracks. Four more to be exact. Uh, let's work our way backwards with the, this particular segment. Uh, the song we just heard, Shishila, uh, who a lot of you may have known if, if you're into the 80s music. Uh, the band's called The Producers out of Georgia, and it's off their 1982 LP, You Make the Heat, which was their second. Um, they were uh, hanging around the Atlanta area originally. Uh, they were a Beatles cover band, uh, but they began to intermix uh, some of their own material into their sets and started getting known around uh, the Atlanta area and got signed to a record deal pretty quickly by the execs around there. Uh, but uh, uh, after that, they put out uh, two LPs, uh, and they were you know, let go by the record label, and that was pretty much the end of the producers, although uh, both albums were actually pretty good. Not sure what the deal was there, but they were kind of came and gone, one of those kind of one-hit wonder kind of deals. Uh, this particular song, She Sheila, uh, saw a lot of airtime back in the day when MTV was cranking out the music videos. Uh, they played that song quite a bit, as I recall. Uh, they put out a couple of additional LPs later in, uh, after being let go by the label. Uh, you know, they were kind of independent releases, uh, but had little to no excess success there. So uh, the producers, no longer, but uh, great track there, She Sheila. Before that, uh, we have, we've got a, a weird story here. Uh, uh, the name of the song's Cool Logic by a band called Eva Hayes out of Massachusetts, I believe. Um, it's off their 2023, just released last month album, Under the Tin Sky, which is their second LP. Uh, as I mentioned, this is an odd story, as even though this is a, a new release from 2023, uh, this album was recorded 25 years ago in 1998. Uh, the band got its start back in the 90s, around 95, 96, I think it was. Um, and they recorded one album and then uh, went to record this album, uh, got the recording done, and then the thing got shelved. Not sure what happened, uh, but you know, the album was never released. The band broke up uh, after recording the now album in 1998, and never to be heard from again. Uh, the the weird part about this thing is that uh, the lead singer and songwriter, guitarist on the band, uh, Eve Harz, who I think uh, takes the band name from in some way, shape, or form, uh, was diagnosed with cancer this year and passed away in early November, uh, just a couple of weeks before this album was released after 25 years. And, uh, you know, one bright spot, and if there is one, uh, prior to her death, she found out that the album was gonna be released, so uh, some solace there. Uh, but um, really a, a weird and tragic, tragic story. Um, they were kind of a, a band after their first album and while they're recording the second one were kind of rising stars they were uh involved with an hbo series called reverb uh, music uh, documentary type series uh and they were one of the first indie bands to be featured on the on that hbo series back in the day in the 90s uh and they also wrote the theme song for the series uh but you know again 
not sure what happened there, uh, and there's really not a lot of information, if any, out there uh, on the band. Uh, if, you know, if anyone out there knows a little something about them, I'd be interested in getting a little more info. Uh, you know, uh, this particular album, Under the Tin Sky, I listened to it. It's got some great tracks on it. It's great music. Uh, even though it's it's 25 years old, uh, this particular song has got kind of a, you know, uh, more hard, edgy, bangles sound to it. So uh, just a great track and a, you know, great album uh, with a sad story. Prior to that, another sad tale of a band who no longer exists. The uh, name of the song is Sick of Goodbyes by Sparkle Horse out of Virginia off his 1998 LP, Good Morning Spider, which was his second LP. This is another one of those uh, solo artists who, who started a, you know, uh, an adventure in, in a, with a band called, called Sparkle Horse in this case. Uh, the, name of the, the name of the front man is Mark Linkus, and uh, he was active uh, as Sparkle Horse from 1995 until his death in 2010. Uh, he supposedly chose the band name because he, he just liked, for one reason, he liked the sound of, way the words sounded together. Sparkle and horse kind of, you know, jived. And then it was also, on the other hand, a loose metaphor for a motorcycle. Sparkle horse, you can kind of see that. So, uh, you know, great band name. Uh, this album itself was recorded and released after a time where Mark had uh, nearly died from a near-fatal overdose in London while touring as an opening act for Radiohead. Uh, he was recuperating for like six months and started writing songs uh, and, and to put this particular album together after, after a long uh, recuperation and, and physical therapy process. Uh, the album title, uh, Good Morning Spider, is a kind of an odd story too. It comes from a sound he heard from a pump organ uh, that's and he equated that sound to something that sounded like a spider building a web hence the title of the of the album uh, the album itself explores themes of frustration and resignation wonder and gratitude that all that kind of came to rising to the top as part of his recovery period from that uh, uh, near fatal overdose um, Another odd part thing about this particular album is that uh, he had this big collection of odd thrift store keyboards and discarded equipment uh, that he decided to use to record this LP to to give it a really distinctive sound. And that this particular song, you can hear some of those strange little sounds and and, and noises from the instruments. And in it, but it's really cool. It has a really cool effect and a great track. Uh, again, unfortunately, though. Uh, he passed away in 2010, and uh, Sparkle Horse is no more. So, uh, but a really great track. Sick of goodbyes. And then to start the segment, we went back to 1970, and a song called "Vehicle" by the Ides of March out of Illinois, from their 1970 debut LP, also called "Vehicle." They formed in 1964 uh, under the band name Shondells, and. Uh, they even recorded one LP in 1966. Uh, then, then thereafter, decided they needed a, a different name, a little more edgier. And, and the bassist in the band had just finished reading Shakespeare's Julius Caesar in school, 
and threw out the name, you know, Ides of March, and band like it, and uh, hence they uh, took on the Ides of March as their band name. Uh, the song is supposedly it's uh, the song is the fastest selling single in Warner Records history. Not sure if that's still the case, or it was. Uh, at that particular time, but you know, it was if what it was, if not still a record uh, for a fastest-selling single, at least un, as part of Warner Warner Records. Um, the the song itself has got that you know that uh, '70s Chicago and blood, sweat, and tears feel to it with the you know the horn section, uh, you know, uh, in the background, and just just a great great track. Uh, Unfortunately, they disbanded in 1973, but from that, uh, it, the band's frontman, Jim Peterick, Peterick, I think it is, founded the band Survivor, and he wrote a bunch of the songs uh, while in Survivor, including their huge hit, Eye of the Tiger. So if you hadn't heard of Survivor, now you know who they are. Everybody's heard Eye of the Tiger uh, from the Rocky sound, Rocky movies and and uh, you know, just a huge, huge hit. Um, the Ides of March have actually, with with Jim, have actually reformed in 1990 and and are continuing to release new music and tour. So uh, they're still out there. Check them out. The Ides of March, segment two in the books. And let's roll right into segment three of episode 21. And we're gonna go back again to the 1980s this time, and a really cool track. From the King Bees, baby.
There she was, just walking down the street singing.
There you have it. Episode 21, down and out. Uh, right at the end there, good advice. Stay out of Satan's bed, as Eddie Vedder would put it. Uh, let's go back to the beginning of the of this segment. Uh, we started off with a tune uh, from 1980 called My Mistake by the King Bees. I wonder if they got their... It doesn't say where they got their name, but I wonder if they got it from the old... Uh, blues tune that the Stones recorded back in the 60s it's called I'm a King being baby buzzing around your hive uh, but you know who knows uh, that was their debut LP 1980 also called the King Bees they're out of LA uh, they were one of those uh, bands like uh, the Straight Cats who brought about this uh, rockabilly revival during the 80s with kind of a new wave flair to it uh, the band was born and set, or formed, born or formed, as it were, in 1979 by a guy named Jamie James. Uh, the album was initially a big bust, but then uh, this particular song, My Mistake, got some, started getting some heavy airplay in Detroit, Michigan, and became a number one hit in Detroit. Uh, once that happened, you know, words kind of spread, and uh, you know, the, they got a lot more love. Um, they had one other charting single and then uh, kind of dropped off the face of the earth after that. Um, you know, talking about Stray Cats, Jamie James, after the King Bees departed, uh, got together with former Stray Cats guys, Lee Rocker and Slim Jim Phantom, and uh, played some shows. Used to play some shows down in uh, SoCal, uh, I don't know, Redondo Beach or, or kind of area, and uh, I don't think ever any recordings ever came up, but uh, you know they were kind of doing keeping the rockabilly scene going there. So King Bees, no more. Uh, after that, we heard uh, from Bob Welch out of L.A. and his song Ebony Eyes from his 1977 debut solo LP called French Kiss. Uh, Bob was initially known for his time he spent uh, from with Fleetwood Mac from 1971 to 74. He was part of five LPs that they put out during that period uh, and part of that whole transitional period in 74. He left the band and they kind of uh, left behind their blues rock kind of sound and he was replaced by Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks, Nicks and went forward you know, with a more pop rock sound uh, thereafter. Uh, these songs were originally intended uh, to be part of a third album from the band he had in the interim after leaving Fleetwood Mac called Paris. Uh, so uh, he had written these songs, they were going to put out another album, and the band fell apart in 1977 before they were able to even start recording the album. So he decided, hey, you know what, I'm going to try this as a solo act. Uh, he took uh, the songs and put them into uh, in, into a different package and released them as a solo effort and uh, uh, off he went uh, on a great solo career. Uh, this particular album, French Kiss, even features guest appearances by some Fleetwood Mac alumni, uh, Mick Fleetwood, Christine McPhee, and Lindsey Buckingham, who were, who replaced him. Uh, so. Uh, also, another little tidbit, the backing vocals on this track were provided by another uh, big artist in the kind of folk pop country field, uh, Juice Newton. Uh, 
fortunately, Bob died in 2012 at the age of 66, but, uh, you know, his legacy lives on. Some great music that he put out and uh, just a great, great artist. So we'll miss him. After that, we went to the 1980s and the jam out of the UK, their song Beat Surrender, which was a non-album single-only release. Uh, the, the jam were formed in 1972 by frontman Paul Weller uh, while he was attending high school. Um, they, the band themselves all came kind of a, came from the punk scene and were kind of involved in the punk scene, but they they were different in a in a big way. They kind of stood out because instead of the you know the tattered dress and you know sloppiness, uh, the the jam dressed in tailored suits. They played great instrument instruments professionally uh, and. They had clear 1960s influences in their music that were, were kind of a no-no in the in the punk rock world. As you know, um, they shunned the the 60s era, and uh, you know, in the in punk rock. So uh, they were clearly uh, heads and above, different but uh, similar taste. Uh, they recorded six LPs during their time together between 77 and 82. Uh, this particular song is the last single they ever released as the band. Uh, they split in 82 at Paul Weller's insistence. Uh, he didn't want to continue to record as the jam and, and kind of dilute what they had they, uh, they had achieved. Uh, they, he wanted to go out on top and, and wanted to test the waters and see and challenge himself and see what he could do uh, aside from uh, aside from the jam and, and in the future. Uh, and maybe a great uh, choice on his part, he went on to form another group called Style Council, who who had some hits. And then after that, uh, band uh, departed. Uh, he had he's had a great successful solo career he, uh, up to the current day. He's still out there making music, touring, uh, and just a great great artist in his own right. After that, we jumped back to 1964, and Manford Mann out of the UK. And their song "Do Wa Diddy Diddy," uh, the group is the group is called Man for Man, Manford Man after its uh, leader uh, and frontman, but it's actually a five-piece band in this particular case. Uh, this is, this is off their album, the Manford Man album, which was their debut U.S. LP. Uh, Manford was born in South Africa and worked in a number of clubs around Johannesburg as a jazz pianist for a while. Uh, then he decided to uh, move to the UK in 1961 uh, due to his uh, opposition to the apartheid system that, that was you know, uh, in, in happening in South Africa and, and uh, his really disdain for that. Uh, and uh, so he decided to get out of South Africa, moved to the UK, and uh, you know, good things happened for it. In 1963, he got a record deal uh, that with this five-piece group and decided to name it after himself instead of Man for Man Band. It is just Man for Man, so you think it's a it's a solo effort, but it's not. Uh, this version of the band split up in 1968, but it uh, evolved into another band called the Man for Man Chapter 3. And then finally... Uh, there was Manfred Mann's Earth Band, who also had a, a bunch of hits back uh, back in the day, uh, re-recording Bob Dylan and and uh, and Bruce Springsteen songs. Uh, uh, as Manfred Mann 
this particular version of the group released something like six LPs in the U.S. Um, on this particular album, there were only two original songs, and then the rest of the are covers reflecting. Uh, at the time, they they were big into R and B music, so they they covered a bunch of our R and B tracks. Um, this particular song uh, itself is a cover version of a 1963 song, first recorded by an American group called the Exciters. Uh, man for Man t heard it, uh, re-recorded it, gave it a little more harder edge, uh, and uh, you know had a had a big hit with it. After that, to close out the show, we heard from Pearl Jam, of course, out of Seattle, Washington. Uh, you know, uh, you, as soon as you hear, the again, the voice, Eddie Vedder, you know it's Pearl Jam. That's their song, Satan's Bed, off their 1994 LP, their third LP, Vitology. Uh, the band formed in 1990, and, and by now they're considered one of the most flu influential bands of the 90s and, and clearly maybe the most popular band of that particular era. The album itself is supposedly the second fastest selling CD in, or was the second fastest selling CD in history at the time of its release. Uh, it sold almost a million copies in the first week. Uh, the record it broke or, or the only uh, album that uh, that it was behind uh, in first place was Pearl Jam's prior LP Versus. Uh, the, there's a whole story about how Eddie Vedder came to be uh, hired by the group. Uh, he responded to a demo tape that had been put out by the band uh, when they were trying to find a singer and a drummer uh, to put this band together. Um, they gave this demo tape to former Red Hot Chili Peppers drummer Jack Irons uh, to see if he was interested in joining as a drummer. He decided to pass on the offer, but in turn he gave the demo tape to uh, his friend, Eddie Vedder, who was living in San Diego at the time. Uh, Eddie took a listen to the to the uh, music that they had uh, put out, put down, uh, had some lyrics and vocals to the tape and then returned it to the band in uh, Seattle. Uh, as soon as they got it, they were super impressed with what they heard and they f immediately flew Eddie up to Seattle, auditioned him, and within a week he was in the band and the rest is history. And Pearl Jam uh, lives on and in a big way. Uh, many of these particular songs on this particular album deal with the pressures of fame and loss of privacy associated uh, including this particular song, Satan's Bed, uh, uh, in particular. And, uh, you know, like I say, most of the songs are deal with that uh, as they as these growing pressures uh, were evolving as, as they became bigger and bigger and bigger. So there you have it. Uh, we're through with our musical explosion. Uh, actually kind of felt like the guy from the old Memorex commercials sitting in the chair and the music starts playing, and his winds, his, his hair is blowing back, and the, his drinks moving, and you know, kind of cool. Hope you had a similar feeling. You can unbuckle our seatbelt now, and let's close this thing out. All right, there you have it. As I mentioned, it's a wrap for episode 21, and we indeed experienced 
a mutual musical explosion of sorts. Uh, thank you for taking the time to listen in. We appre- appreciate your continued support and hope you'll tell your friends and neighbors if you like what we're doing here. Uh, love to have some more folks tune in and turn on, as it were. Uh, next week, we've got our big holiday show, but don't worry. We're not going to kill you with holiday classics like the rest of the world has been doing o- over the last whatever uh, couple of months. Uh, instead, it's going to be business as usual, except for maybe one special surprise uh, as in the show. Uh, we've got to, that'll certainly break up your ears and maybe bring a little smile to your face. So uh, we'll look forward to that. In the meantime, enjoy your holiday season, uh, however you celebrate it. And we'll catch up again next week as we continue going mobile. We'll be on the road again, and we'll uh, uh, let you know from where. Uh, when we get there. In any case, bye for now and keep sharing the good stuff.